eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast, heading into the final throws of the college football season now. Um, got a packed show actually, quite a lot of drama ramping up towards the end of the season. Got a lot of games to talk about, got some drama to talk about, got some firings to talk about, and then we've got some saltiness to talk about, and we're all about the saltiness here on the pod. Just joined by Andy and Kieran, Liam will be joining us uh, shortly, I'd, I'd guess. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll welcome him when he's here. Guys, big weekend, both in the NFL for everyone here, I think, and also for our college team. So, you know, in one way or another, I think someone got some good news this week. Yes, sir. I think uh, Kieran's going to be really annoying. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we, we didn't have his ranting last week and raving, and uh, he's got some good news this week, which is good for him. Um, he avoided the, well, what was it? It wasn't really a bet, was it? You kind of put yourself up for it. You're going to support the Florida Gators for the rest of the season? Uh, well, yeah, if they went to the championship game, I, I was going to just rock with them because they're a very impressive team, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> more, of it, more of that later on. In fact, why don't you start us off on Friday then? We will we'll save we'll save the LSU stuff. Start us off on Friday where we had the Arizona State game versus Arizona and it was uh, your boy Jaden leading the charge. Mate, what a game. Um, as we'll put it out there as well, uh, how many players was it? Five different players from Arizona State had a rushing touchdown. It was 70 to seven, which is one of the biggest winning deficits in college football in the longest time. And Arizona just looked lost the entire game. Arizona State, first quarter, 21 points, second quarter, 21 points, third quarter. 21 points fourth quarter only seven points but at that point it was sort of like kind of like mercy rule almost um jane daniels looked fantastic only through 11 passes but completed nine of those for 203 yards and two touchdowns he looked absolutely fantastic all game again he has got some great receivers there as well uh curtis hodges who is uh the tight end there Looked great, 74 yards as well. And then we had another touchdown from Ricky Pierce or one of his wide receivers. This, I, I think the first two games they played this, uh, first two games they played this season were really unfair to them. They obviously gave USC a good go. and But, you know, Slovis is, say what you want about him, he's a good quarterback and he can make plays. But Arizona State just absolutely run away with this. And you, you could see by like, um, I think, what, the third quarter? By the time the third quarter started, it was Arizona State just looked like a beaten team. And Rhett Rodriguez, the actual starter for Arizona, threw two picks, you know, seven for 16. And uh, they didn't have much more success with Grant Gunnell. He threw a pick and, I mean, 12 for 17, but still not great. And they just, I don't know what it was. Arizona State, I feel like they had a point to prove because they, they lost their first two games and they came out absolutely swinging for the fences in this game. In their, I don't think there was any way they were losing. They, they were playing so angry down the stretch and it was just embarrassing for Arizona because sometimes they can keep this game competitive. We know it's a very competitive game. It's one of the biggest rival game, well, the biggest rival game, I'd say, in the Pac-12 some seasons and Arizona State just run away with it. Everything they did was fantastic. They were sacking Arizona's quarterbacks, picking them off. It was 
It was just, it was honestly, you know, sometimes when you watch a game and it's just such a blowout that it gets boring. That That's how it got. By like at half time, I was like, I'll probably watch a little bit more. But after they put up three more tubs in the third quarter, I was like, I'll, I don't even want to watch. It was like, like, I think they shouldn't upload the highlights to YouTube. They should have to put them on live leak. That's how violent of a throttling Arizona got it's a lot of these videos are going to be removed for breaking YouTube's terms of service but you know it was a perfectly played game by Arizona State and you know I said at the beginning of the season Sun Devils was going to be a team to watch out for and they kind of slumped in their first two games and didn't look as impressive as they thought they could they, they obviously failed to UCLA and USC but this was just fantastic football to watch and like I said it did get a bit boring but I've got to take hats off to Arizona State. It's one of the most impressive performances I've seen from a Pac-12 in the last five, six years. Yeah, it was one of those ones where you, I think you summed up really nicely. It was just so one-sided, wasn't it? Just had their absolute way with them. And like you, you summed it up better than the joke that I was going to make. To be fair, I was going to make the joke of like the Simpsons thing. And it's like, stop, it's already dead. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? That they've not got to play many games because we could have seen this a bit more against probably some better opponents who had... Pac-12's kind of sorted itself out, and we'll kind of mention that a little bit later on, I think. It's one of those games that's like great for Jaden Daniels' development especially because, mm. yeah, okay, they were absolutely battering the hell out of them all game, but it's good for a quarterback to be able to go out there and just let it fly, and I think that'll carry on into games they play for the rest of the season because, yeah, it was an absolute drubbing and Arizona didn't put up much resistance, but quarterbacks, people don't talk about how important uh, confidences for a quarterback because you see guys like Carson Wentz in the NFL and you know guys who get their confidence rattled and sometimes they're not the same for the rest of the season until they have a big win so Jaden Daniels probably feeling a bit down he, like I'm not saying he's played bad this season but this is just going to boost his performance up to the next uh, his confidence up to the next level and should carry on to further performances throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and he's like, we've already mentioned him, we mentioned him a few times this year, we've obviously self-banging the drum for him, that we're going to be mentioning him a lot next year, we're going to be obviously doing the scouting pods next year again, so we'll be we'll be getting our plenty full of Jaden Daniels, um, like I say, it's a bit of a shame that they've not managed to get some games under the belt this year, but, you know, one to watch for sure next year. Um, Andy, we'll come to you next, obviously, Florida State, um, putting up a nice one against Duke. Yes, mate. Um, something a bit different again. I, I did say a couple of weeks ago I wouldn't talk about uh, Florida State again for the <laughs> rest of the season, but then they win and, and here we are, we're back. So that's, <laughs> that's all good. Um, you really got like um, the full Florida State experience in this game. You've got a bit of um, like all the positives on offense. You've got all the negatives on defense. You've got uh, a bit of erratic quarterback play. Uh, you've got some fantastic quarterback plays. So, so yeah, lo- loads to kind of um, pick if you go back and watch the highlights. It, it's it's really interesting because this team is completely different to the one that played like a month, two months ago. Um, there's literally like hardly any of the starters left there. Uh, lots of the, the the older players kind of opting out, entering the transfer portal. All the above, you know, all of the above. No Marvin Wilson, no Tamari and Terry, uh, no James Blackmon. So, yeah, like completely different. Um, Jordan Travis, um, you know, quarterback play, which you, which is pretty dubious. We'll come on to that in a minute with the, with the, with the transfer news from the start of this week. But um, when he's running the ball, you, you just can't you know, argue with it at all. He, he's so 
nimble. He gets away from the uh, from the linebackers so well when he breaks through the the, uh, the D line. And as we saw on the touchdown, he's you know he's that that these hips, as Kieran would say, are just uh, fantastic. He just gets uh, gets out of the way of the tackle and and runs it straight in there. Um, but the throwing like is, it kind of reminds me a bit of a, a former FSU quarterback in the fact that. He's either college uh, Heisman winning Jameis or he's 2019 Jameis and uh, and just throwing those picks. I mean, the, the interception he threw in this game, he just kind of dropped back, uh, rolled out and then just threw it. Nice touch pass, which, which <laughs> looked good until it came down and there was no FSU uh, wide receiver anywhere near it. And he just dropped into the, um, the defensive back's hand. So that was bizarre. But other than that, had a good game. Um, Duke played uh, really well in stretches. Just the second quarter, they just completely ran over uh, FSU's defense. They scored 21 points unanswered, and it was looking like it was going to be closer than it than it finished. And uh, quick shout out to Matteo Durant, um, 127 yards running uh, and a touchdown. But when he got into his stride, I was really impressed. And, and we did our uh, running backs sleepers and stuff last week on the uh, scouting pod and. I don't know if this guy is quite like draftable talent or anything, but when he was into his full stride, I was thinking, God, that looks incredibly impressive. And there was no way any of the FSU defensive bats were getting anywhere near him. So, yeah, worth checking that out as well. Um, yeah, last couple of bits I'll mention. A couple of um, really impressive defensive performers for FSU, uh, which is like quite rare, as we've uh, alluded to. Uh, Hamza Nazarudin back from injury, got the pick uh, that kind of stole some of the early momentum from Duke, and you know, like put, put uh, seven more points on the board for FSU. He's draftable, but what's what it's um, looking quite obvious is that he's a bit sluggish coming back from his injury. He's normally quite, you know, he breaks on the ball really well, quite athletic. Uh, he's still one of the most physically dominating players on the pitch when you look at him, but the uh, but the athleticism is probably just, you know, he seems to have lost half a yard of pace, which I'm sure he'll get back from the, as he progresses from the injury uh, return. And uh, also shout out Travis J. Weekend of fantastic picks in the NFL. Weekend of fantastic picks in college football. Mm, this one is well worth a look. Uh, one hand up in the air, uh, quite short distance uh, from the quarterback, and, and just picks it off with 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 ease. And he's a redshirt freshman cornerback, uh, stepping in for Asante Samuel, and he looked really good. I think we might have got another uh, another cornerback uh, for DBU's uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Arsenal there. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to talk about Mackenzie Milton now, or do you want to? Yeah, go for it. I mean, I, I did, obviously, we, we kind of talked about in the group chat, didn't we, on the weekend? And um, one of the questions that I posed to you was, you know, where does it leave? When does it leave Travis? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, I, I always find these, like, these grad transfers, these senior transfers are an interesting prospect because um, you're kind of doing it at the expense of your younger younger quarterback and it's like obviously that position where you where you don't normally swap in and out as as much as you you, you know you would other positions so uh, I don't really know how it's going to unfold to be honest because I thought Travis has done more than enough to uh, to steady the ship at quarterback for, for FSU I think there's a lot that can be said about his, his like passing ability and stuff but that will come with time so um, Milton's clearly you know if, if he's if he's 2017 2018 Mackenzie Milton he's going to start uh, I think, uh, and like he's a far better passer than Travis at the moment. But mm. I just don't know what the program's really getting from it. They're going to obviously get like a good bit of quarterback for a year, but then they're going to stunt the, the the growth of a, another good quarterback. So I'm in two minds. Great player. Obviously, if he gets back to that 2017 stat line, 
67% completion, 4,000 yards and 37 touchdowns and nine interceptions. It'd be fantastic and a real boost. But but what's the long-term goal for FSU? And uh, Kieran, maybe you've got anything you want to come in on that, mate? Yeah, I think, look, Mackenzie Milton is a big, big, you know, transfer for them. He is, look, if he can stay healthy, because that's the problem, it seems like he sneezes funny and his, his knee falls off. So uh, I think if he can stay healthy throughout camp and, and they maybe just, you know, limit him in camp so he, he's not maybe getting roughed around as, as some of the guys are, I think that will benefit him. But if he can stay healthy, that's big pickup for Florida State because Mackenzie Milton is a top-level quarterback, whether you like it or not, coming from uh, UCF. It's actually good for him now to come to a Power 5 school because it gets a lot more eyes on him. But, yeah, if he if he doesn't have problems with his knees and stuff, I think 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 it'll work out well for them. He's obviously not got the mobility that he used to, but he's a great passer. And if he can stand tall in that pocket, he's, he's really going to improve FSU next year. And talking about standing tall, I actually didn't realise he's, he's as short as he is. He's like five foot eleven. I was, I was thinking it's going to be a completely different like uh, prospect to Travis, who's not the tallest either. But um, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. They're going to swap in and out and play the same sort of offense for either if Milton's comfortable running. Uh, be interesting though, because he could be a draftable talent, Milton, if he's uh, if he's back to his best. But I just can't see how you get back from that level of injury and play at the same level. I mean, what was it like ACL tear, like tore, like like the the bone like separated, etc., something like that. But it was just like disgusting injury. Um, yeah, how's he going to return and play at high level? God knows. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. I feel like. And you kind of summed it up a little bit in what you were saying to begin with. I feel like Mackenzie Milton's got more to gain from it than FSU have. Because like you say, if he comes on, he balls out, plays for obviously a bigger program in a good conference, then it's great for him. But FSU are kind of in a rebuild right now. They've got rid of all the big stars that you kind of mentioned, or a few of them at least. And, you know, the coach is trying to rebuild something in year two next year. And that doesn't really combined with having uh, well, not an older quarterback because obviously it's college football but I don't know maybe he's that veteran leadership of that young group I don't know but it kind of did, does kind of kicking the balls for John Travis really does it? it doesn't really fit very well with him I don't know that's it and there's a couple of like four, four star guys that we brought in last year in Purdy and, and Rodemaker who I mean by all accounts haven't really set the world on fire but they're your kind of traditional pocket passer guys and and uh, <laughs> they must be kind of thinking God what the bothered with here that they kind of you know sat at the bottom of a quarterback depth chart with with two guys there one who's like balled out this year and probably shocked a lot of people in Travis and then Milton's the, the, the star name so uh what you know it just feels weird all around about that development but uh yeah it remains to be seen obviously Norvell's seen a lot of uh Milton in the with his Memphis days and uh, and some of the highlights that were being stuck up earlier were against um the UCFB uh Memphis back in the day and can see why he's interested but like but like we said yeah like what, what's it to gain and it feels like a bit of a one step forward two steps back kind of move for the long-term program hmm. it'll put bums on seats though it'll be interesting to watch Florida State next year which I'm not having a dig but it's probably not being <laughs> you know and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that to have a go or anything like that but it's you know you know yourself it's not been great for a couple of seasons now that's it and obviously, uh, FSU have the big commit in uh, Seydou Traore. I can't, I can't pronounce it. Great, it's, it's a Brit who is really a highly touted wide receiver in, in high school at this point. And he's committed to Florida State as 
you know, as far as we know so far. So I think maybe him and Mackenzie Milton, maybe they could build a little connection. And uh, he's a dangerous receiver and he's very fast. So I feel like if that's a, a weapon for Mackenzie Milton, that could really uh, benefit them. Look, Florida State for a few years was like a big landing spot for blue chip quarterback prospects. And we haven't really seen that in since like guys like Malik Henry and stuff, but they ended up flaming out. So it'd be nice to see what Florida State can put together. Now they seem to be getting a lot more top prospects and a lot more top pieces coming through the school. Mm. Yeah, one to watch, one to watch for next year. It'll definitely make, like I say, the, the programme very watchable next year because I'm sure we'll all be rooting for Mackenzie Milton. You know, seems like a good dude. Obviously had the terrible injuries Andy described earlier. Liam, hello, welcome in. Where's your note this week after you said Hello, everybody. <laughs> Last week. Technical difficulties, we'll put that down to. <laughs> no worries, how's everything Everyone going? Everyone all right? Yeah, yeah, we are. Just a couple of games in. Don't, I've not missed too much, but I'm going to kick up a notch, say in the uh, ACC, and go to my Tar Heels. 62-26 against the U. Just overpowering. Just that offensive line, that running game I've been talking about all season. And there's just not a lot left to say. I know we talked up uh, Javante Williams last week on the scouting pod. Another 23 carries, another three touchdowns, still leading the, the college ranks in, in touchdowns, in total touchdowns, that is. And just 236 yards for Javante this week, um, kind of slacking a little bit because, you know, number eight, Michael Carter, 308 yards, two touchdowns, just beyond words, really. <laughs> The most, um, yeah, as Kim just showed on the screen there, the most running yards by two running backs for the same team, 544 yards, and then a, a UNC record. The rest of the team managed to add another 10 yards. So, yeah, just bumping up there to 554 for the total, uh, the running game. And then also, you know, Sammy, what can we say? Number one pick next year, sure. They write it in stone. Um, yeah. Didn't have to do a great deal, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's, he didn't have to do a, great, do a great deal. Just 323 yards of touchdown. Uh, rushed in for one as well and also caught one. Sammy's got mitts as well as being able to throw the ball. Like I say, right in stone for next year. Number one quarterback, number one pick off the board. And yeah, I mean, get UNC a defense who could actually like, run with the big dogs and they might have been up there as I predicted early season. Uh, the U, I mean, what can we say? They just got trampled all over. The, the guys up front for UNC kind of just paved the way and the two guys who've been doing it all season just did it. Derek King put up a reasonable you know, fight, you know, threw us a couple of touchdowns, threw one to the UNC as well. Um, I think we're obviously going to talk about a couple of UNC defenders or I'm going to bring up one at least. I think we're going to bring up one on the scouting podcast. So I'll kind of leave the defense out. But, you know, like I say, the Tar Heels just offensively just trampling all over everyone. And um, this was just another absolute dominating performance, really, for, for this one. Um, it's a bit of a shame that no shame in that conference because that would have been another nice matchup with Clemson, who's not played this year in the championship game. But, you know, I think we are getting the better game. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, when we've got uh, Notre Dame in there. And, you know, like I say, it might be a uh, playoff match as well, which you might, you know, might be... Um, Again, might might get part three, which will be kind of interesting. Andy, did you want to come in there, mate? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, uh, not uh, to, to return your dig from earlier. Uh, it's like disappointing <laughs> that, um, uh, that they lost to FSU, like even from like from a neutral point of view. That that like really kind of set them back this year, didn't it? Like mm, it was a, such an avoidable uh, defeat. 
um, as well, uh, based on FSU's other performance. So that that's like to, that was like a crazy one to slip up on because they just looked like unstoppable at the weekend. I thought um, Miami kind of I think they've had a couple of couple of weeks, maybe three weeks off or something before the game. Maybe I, I might be completely wrong, but they just looked really sluggish from the start. And then there was just mm-hmm. once that like gap was there, there was just no getting back into it was it that running game is just something else man and uh, I've seen a lot of uh, Dolphins fans calling for for one of the two running backs uh, on on Saturday night so that would be uh, that'd be quite you know that, that would do, do us a real favour I think that it's just incredible like once you establish the run even at that level it's just it like you just such a like you know you got the Titans doing it in the NFL and that it, with a kind of supporting quarterback who isn't the the, the world's like most impressive quarterback but when you've got th- that running game going it's just it's just impossible to stop and uh, even like a defense defense known like Miami's for being very strong just nothing they can do really mm. maybe it's the colors maybe it's the blue and blue that running game just comes from those colors maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah no another win eight wins three defeats so far well that'll be kind of it won't it will be, it'll be bowl game but that's it for the, the regular season now in the, the ACC are you um, talking about how close uh, UNC are, have been to a, a bigger season if results have gone their way? Miami weren't weren't far away from, mm. from things pre-game, like ranked as high as they were, I think, in the top 10. And then to kind of collapse so spectacularly, that's, um, that's a big loss. 62 mm. points conceded. Like you say, the, the record number of rushing yards, I think it was over 770 total yards. They um, kept showing the split screen of the two head coaches because uh, Manny Diaz worked under uh, Mac Brown at uh, Texas and actually lost, I think lost his job after um, Texas were run over um, in a game previous. And it was a very similar story in this game. It kind of just synced all the way through the, and uh, it was quite interesting to see how hmm. um, Brown obviously had Manny Diaz's number on this one. Yeah, and he told him after the game that it wasn't personal. I think he was trying to put it out there for the the another recruiting class that will be coming up obviously in the next few months to say that you know if you come and join this offense, you've got one more year of Sam Howell uh, out there. Just want to kind of one last little tidbit on the running game of North Carolina. I've got it here that Michael Carter averaged nine point five yards before contact <laughs> on the weekend, <laughs> so he's basically getting a first down before anyone touches him uh, on his way to yeah three hundred eight yards. So. Yeah, that running game, obviously, it's probably going to be split up by the draft. Um, so Howell will probably have to do a bit more through the air next year unless they've got some guys who are going to step into those big shoes that will be filled in. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to watch, obviously, as I you know, finish off my debut season as a Tar Heel. They did, uh, they did start to bring in some of the uh, the younger running backs on the depth chart, and they didn't look bad either. So it's mm. uh, there's, there's, uh, there's still going to be a running game there um, after Williams and car to move on if they both move on mm. i think true williams is the guy that's got another year of eligibility right. he might but i doubt it <laughs> yeah he's going to capitalize on this season is nothing give you um yeah i think it'd be a shame if he didn't come out to be honest with you i think he doesn't stand with much to gain for going back to be honest with you especially because carter won't be there and they work so well as a tandem yeah it's not it's not going to happen and which is why they're getting the attention they are why we focused on them on the, the scouting pod as well it's hmm. um yeah it's, they're gonna need replacing aren't they to help out somehow yeah no for sure right then so that's my fandom kind of drummed it up look at him smiling already can't wait for this he's got his lsu t-shirt on obviously no one will be able to see he's got his lsu hat on 
Come on then, tell us all about it. You were in the fog. The gators couldn't see. How? What else? Come on. How else did right. you beat them? You see how bad my hairline is. <laughs> this is what this team does to me on on a weekly basis. But two words: Max Johnson. Another two words: Cleat throwing. Uh, story of the game really was that Cleat being thrown. I think there's a little bit of a controversy about that. Obviously. Florida's head coach has come out and say what you want. He's defended his player. I know he, he probably knows it was an unreasonable statement to make. He went out and um, defended his player, so props to him for that. But, man, LSU looked amazing. Obviously, I, I was really, you know, banging the wardrobe for TJ Finley because he looked fantastic. And Max Johnson come in and has absolutely shelled it. He's the first LSU quarterback to throw three touchdowns at the Swamp. So that's massive for us and you know this is one of those games where it was gonna look I think coming in I expected to lose I'm not gonna lie and say uh I think we're the best team coming in because we won I know they were missing Kyle Pitts and you know all these gator nuts saying oh that's why we lost that's not the reason the reason is LSU played better football on this game and and we went out there we picked Kyle Trask off twice I know he threw up nearly 500 yards but we picked him off twice the, the, the fun fact about this game, though, is LSU, the only pl- um, players that scored points were freshmen and sophomores. This is an incredibly young team, and it's absolutely stacked with talent. Given the fact we've lost two of our best players on offense as well, in Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall, we went out there and did fantastic. And, you know, Keishon Butte come up 108 yards and a touchdown. Look, next man up. That's what we've. That's what LSU always preaches. It's always next man up. And then obviously, uh, Eli Ricks, brilliant pick six, and you know, fantastic pick from him. He just lurked underneath that, and you know, it's such a great game to watch. For me, I was I was on the edge of my seat the entire game. And sometimes when you watch LSU play, they make me really, really nervous. Like, oh. It, it hurts me sometimes, some of the decisions this team make. I'm still all about getting rid of Bo Pelini. I've, I've already built the cannon to shoot him out of. I'm done with him. But the offense turned up in a big way. And Coach Odron actually was calling some plays on offense uh, this week. And I think he needs to do that with the defense and take control of the defense away from Bo Pelini. And, you know, Chris Curry looked uh, great. Tyrion Davis priced. Everyone was getting touches and everyone was getting involved. I know we didn't have any rushing touchdowns, but everyone put in a everyone put in a load on the ground and everyone was catching balls through the air. We obviously had Dre Jenkins coming in. He's another young player who's looked fantastic for us. And then the young Trey Bradford, who is a very young running back we've got on the team right now. He actually snagged a touchdown as well. This was a team effort. Every t- every single player on this team played their role correctly. Max Johnson, left-handed quarterback. I know that's a problem for some offenses to adapt to. It does pose a lot of differences. Andy will know being a Dolphins fan. The team operates a little bit differently with a left-handed quarterback in there because normally your strongest tackles are your left tackles because that's the blind side. So, you know, there's a bit of an adjustment there, but I think LSU played fantastically. Fog or no fog we deserve to win this game. And 
I was so hyped and I was really hoping Rob would be on right now because I would love to see the look of disappointment in his face, knowing that I'm still going to have to read his letter out at the end of the season. This just makes the fact that I have to do that a little bit sweeter. Yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed this one. It was a good game though, wasn't it? Just like taking your, your LSU hat off for a second. It was, uh, you know, Florida definitely played the part in this. You know, they put up a lot of yards, kept it really close. Obviously, it went down to the wire as well. Just want to kind of flip it over, but Kadarius Tony. I know we're not on the scouting pod at the minute, so we can kind of you can talk about players like later online when we get to our wide receivers. But this guy can play, right? <laughs> like he just looks like the human joystick, like another version of that. I know he gets brought up with every kind of play like this, but he's absolutely dominating. You know, he really stepped up in Kyle Pitts' stead and just gave Kyle Trask all the yards that he needs. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a number one receiver who's like. You know, he was highly scouted. He was is a big prospect coming in, and he's really helped Trask up his game this year. I know, obviously, everyone's comparing Trask to Burrow, and I think that comparison is absolute bunk. But he really elevates that offense and gives Trask a consistent target. And between him and Pitts, I'm not saying they're like helping him out of sticky situations or anything, because Kyle Trask is a very good quarterback. But it means he's always got somebody open. And I think, yeah, Kyle Pitts did hurt them this year because there's some points in games when Kyle Trask knows there's no one open. I'm just going to put it in the direction of Kyle Pitts and he might muscle it off someone. So Mm. I think that did hurt him a little bit. I know there was the two picks and obviously the pick six, I think, was the big factor between the game. I know everyone's talking about the kick and the the cleat throw and whatever, but yeah, it was big for Eli Ricks. He, he, He did us a real big solid there and made a great play, which... Can't be easy when you've got a defensive coordinator who doesn't know his ass from his elbow. So, we, you know, we played well. We we played a good team game. Everyone, everyone got involved and everyone played their role perfectly. It's it's showing that we're obviously missing our best guys. We're missing guys like Stingley, who, whether you like it or not, is a top three corner in the country. And we're missing the best wide receiver in the country. And then another guy who was staking his claim as the best wide receiver in the country. And then obviously Eric Gilbert's decided he wants to be a little baby and leave. So, we, we you know, the program is hurting right now, but we have a very young team, but it's, it's very talented. That That's the biggest part. We've got guys who are going to develop and... You know, we're a football factory. We we produce NFL talent year after year after year after year. So I think you're, you're looking at guys now in, in Max Johnson and Chris Curry and Kayshawn Booty and Elias Ricks who are going to be NFL players one day. So we've just got to foster that talent, bring it up and keep playing how we play. Once Bopolini's gone, which I fully believe he will be at the end of the year because, you know, I can't lose any more hair and I, I ain't playing for Rogaine. So... I think once we get rid of him at the end of the year and really just give that defense uh, someone talented who can nurture and foster that talent a bit better, this team is going to be leaps and bounds ahead of what it is this year. And I don't think necessarily it's a problem with the personnel, but I think it's a problem with the coaching staff. We've seen that we've got the talent. Max Johnson went out and absolutely shelled it. He looked amazing. And like I said, been banging the wardrobe for TJ Finley, but I think this is a statement game for Max Johnson. He's saying, hey, I want to be the starter. I can throw the ball. I do deserve it. So, you know, look, I'm just happy we won. That's, That's all I need to say is that I am happy we won. I'm relieved we won 
and we'll see what happens next week when we eventually, you know, have a tough game against the Lane Kiffin-led Ole Miss. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm just happy we won this week and fingers crossed we can bounce back next year and go for another natty. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure we'll have your thoughts every step of the way. Either way, what happens there? Uh, just wanted to get your quick thoughts. Cause I know we've been talking about quality wins every now and then. Uh, George, a quality win over Missouri, right? This week, <laughs> look, when, when you just for the look on camera, to be honest, <laughs> when, when, look, when uh, you're playing a team that struggled in another conference, so they said, Oh, the best, the best thing we should do is go to the toughest conference in college football. Come on, man, what, what were they thinking? Mizzou were like, Yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. But we're going to go to the S. Come on, man. Stupid. Best player they've had out of there in the last five years is Drew Locke. And now they've got a very underwhelming group of guy, quarterback room now. So, look, hats off to JT Daniels for Georgia. He played fantastically. Nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns. And obviously we had, um, I can't remember his first name, uh, White, the running back. Amir White. Yeah, it's Amir White. That's the one. He looked fantastic. Put over 100 yards and a touchdown. And I mean, besides the dog collar on their next Georgia looks like a good team so like this year mm. like they've obviously had problems with quarterback and stuff and Stetson Bennett has looked he's looked like Stetson Bennett really I'm not gonna say anything else about that but you know it, it I don't think anyone expected Georgia to lose against Missouri no, I know no, they've not you know only terrible teams lose to Missouri right Ari Gilbert yeah. will look good in a Georgia uniform next year though won't he if he look the fact <laughs> that he is leaving, <laughs> I, oh, I'm so salty about that because he's, he's he could have been something great, but he's decided he's going to go be, you know, play with a team that underachieves year upon year upon year. Best quarterback they've had in the last ten years is Jake Fromm. So that's what I think of that f- terrible team. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we'll we'll leave that there. Want to point out that it, this was. A- like we've said, our what a good close game it was, but it, it sort of uh, it ends Florida's playoff chances. I think, um, yeah, and they kind of um, they they hung around throughout the game and uh, wanted to like give props to um, LSU's young players like Kieran said. It's just a, a group of first second year guys, and yes, the focus was on Kyle Pitts not being in, but not enough was said about who wasn't in for LSU in the game at the same time and um, the way that the game ended um, yeah LSU well worth it and Florida out of um, playoff contention I think it's safe to say yes I think that is very very fair indeed um, speaking Joe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out west um, move away from the SEC for a little bit we had far too much SEC talk I was going to talk about this absolute slugfest that took place in LA um, USC 43 uh, UCLA 38 and USC, they're leaving it late. They're not making it easy, are they? They're leaving it late again. Another last-minute touchdown for um, Keen Slovis and just snatching another victory from from well, what was a pretty tricky situation, really. UCLA, a team that I have not rated all season, um, winning three more games than I thought they would, um, which I know Liam said was very unkind the other day. Maybe it was. But one reason why I didn't think they win many games is because I didn't think DTR was very good. And apart from two... You know, questionable interceptions. I thought he looked pretty reasonable in this game. Actually, I'm, I've not watched the full game. I've got to admit, 
But, you know, put up a lot of yards, was pretty efficient, bad looks things. And, you know, he seems to be taking a few steps forward from when I was watching him in summer and gave him a pretty mid-day three pick grade. Um, but, you know, not enough to overcome another quarterback that will be going pretty high up the list next year in Keaton Slovis. And this offence, again, is just another one that's a bit of a juggernaut out west. And they're now unbeaten. And we'll be heading to the Pac-12 championship game, um, which has now changed um, into... USC versus Oregon, which is kind of controversial because Washington can't muster a team together despite them being put into it before. Um, but a couple of shout-outs for people who we've kind of talked about quite a lot on the podcast. Um, Amon St. Brown, Andy's guy, another 10 receptions. Um, didn't quite make 100 yards, but brought in two touchdowns. But just looks special again. You know, just looks like he's going to be an absolute target hog in the next level. Uh, and Drake London and Tyler Vaughn's also got in the action as well. So, yeah, no, another good day for USC. And um, like I say, we're going to be looking forward to watching them against Oregon, which is pretty much what everyone thought that the Pac-12 championship was going to be. Um, you know, COVID aside, I probably would have said that Oregon probably would have beat Washington anyway in the on the weekend that the game was cancelled and the championship game would have been what it is. So, yeah, just kind of wanted to kind of say what, what does everyone think about this Pac-12 thing? I mean, obviously, it's not been ideal out West at all this season. And it just adds to the shambles that has been really. Very quickly on the on the game itself. Uh, sorry to uh, pivot back to it, but the no, not at all. The, I thought Slovis played really well, but I think just mentioning that first interception was just kind of the um, the first. Well, the, the the main thing that's wrong with Slovis's game is just sometimes that decision making. It just mm. seems like he forces it. Uh, locks in on his uh, on his first read like a bit too often, which is something he just needs to like, snap out of if he's going to like challenge at the top end of the first and stuff next year. But he makes he can make every throw in in, in the book, but like uh, that 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 part that throw I'm not sure which which the receiver it was of of his many good receivers, but he just kind of watched him streak at the line, then kind of. Uh, saw him cutting back and just released it that like you know and there's a player that stood underneath him in coverage it was never there to be made and uh, and obviously just got deservedly picked off so I think that that's something to just a bit bit worrying me at the moment I'm a big Slovis fan but he does lock in on his man really really quickly despite the fact he's got such a like you know arsenal of weapons there mm. yeah sometimes you can see you can almost see the thought happening can't you of him waiting rather than just anticipating um, but yeah, no, definitely something you can work on though over, you know, only a sophomore, which um, stands in his, his favour. Yeah, just talking about the Pac-12 championship game situation, I think, you know, we knew there was going to be some problems like this going on. And, you know, you know whether our Oregon fans are happy or not with the fact that they're getting the championship game by default, I think, you know, can't can't really complain when this sort of thing happens. I don't think they're going to be, you know, unbearable like Ohio State fans and claim that it's their destiny or some tripe like that. But it, it's just a shame that this has happened because Huskies have had a great season and, you know, it would have been great to see them face off uh, in the championship game against USC. I think it would have been a very fun competitive game. And I think it's still going to be the case when it comes to Oregon USC. But, you know, there's the this season we knew this was going to happen uh, to at least one championship game because of, because of COVID and stuff. But... The Pac-12 obviously made that decision, and I don't think they could have picked another team other than Oregon, you know, given how the season's gone. So, mm. you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Regardless, I honestly think it's a better game. Oregon versus UFC is going to be a far more interesting game, given who uh, both teams have. So, 
you know, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to enjoy the game regardless. I just, just wish it had happened under different circumstances, right, rather than a bunch of players getting COVID, because you know that's mm. that's not good for anyone. Yeah, we're, we're going to come on to championship games, obviously, with the the OSU um, thing. Let's say before we before we say anything that we shouldn't. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll kind of save that for in a moment. Liam, I know you wanted to give a shout out to your your kind of weekly almost sub feature that's kind of developed over the past few weeks of your weekly small team that's doing quite well, very well in this case actually. Yeah, let's uh, shout out San Jose State. Um, the the Spartans are six and zero in uh, the Mountain West and just had another big win, thirty twenty, um, at home to uh, much fancied Nevada team. Um, I, th- um, I think it sealed them uh, uh, Mountain West Championship game place. Um, but uh, And I think the AP poll managed to squeeze them in at number 25. Just They must have noticed as well. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, having a, they're having a really good season. And for a team that weren't really touted at the start of the year either, I think you could have got better odds on about a handful of teams in the, the Mountain West at the start of the season. Um, Nick Starkle is uh, leading them at quarterback, the old Texas A&M quarterback he was back up there for a couple of years I think he had a, a year I think at Arkansas last year as well and found a home at uh, San Jose State and has got them undefeated so uh, yeah they're the latest like we said we like to keep an eye on the, the smaller teams that are going a little bit under the radar and having their good unbeaten runs and San Jose State are doing just that at the moment hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, we, we, yeah, we do kind of, you know, miss them out a little bit and you've done a great job kind of all year sort of alerting us to this, I think. Well, the Mountain West in particular is, is um, we don't get to see enough of uh, Mountain West conference at all, really. Mm. We get like, um, they'll give a primetime game to Boise State or the championship game, but um, especially the fact that it's a, a team like San Jose State doing so well, it's definitely mm. worth a shout. Also want to give a shout out to Coastal Carolina, now up to number nine in the AP poll, which is massive for a Sunbelt team as well. They've been fantastic. I think they're, what, 11-0 at this point. Close game against Troy, but, you know, a very, very fun team to watch and everyone loves to see that teal field. So, it, like, Liam's been shouting out some small teams. and Love that he keeps us up to date on that, but can't forget. I'm not. I'm not even going to say their nickname because I can't pronounce it correctly. But <laughs> no Coastal, Car- Coastal Carolina have been fantastic all season, and it's great to watch teams like them, Liberty, and the Bearcats just continue to get better and better and better. Mm. Yeah, go on, yeah, it's a shame that um, it's a shame we didn't make this some kind of feature. Um, but because my first small shout out at the start of the year was Coastal when they got uh, their first ranking and now they've gone on like uh, Kieran says 11-0 they're the first team in Sunbelt history to do that and um, yeah top 10 now um, ridiculously good season yeah you could say that you kind of liked them before they were cool Liam I did the Shanti clears mm. for those that like to show us up there mate yeah <laughs> There's somebody that knows them better will now tell me that I've just messed up their name as well. I know, you know. I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll let you off. It was a good effort. Yeah. I've been calling them the teal chickens all season. <laughs> <laughs> Dearie me. Um lastly then for our, our roundup of games, Liam, you're gonna go to the Big Ten and kind of set us up for our Big Ten chat, aren't you? Yeah, for, for many reasons. One reason because of um 
having spoken and written about the Big Ten all season, I think that this is a team that I haven't, it's basically the last one that I haven't shouted out who's had a good year, and it's Northwestern, who have now reached uh, the Big Ten title game um, at 6-1, and one, and uh, this week um, a home win uh, over Illinois. Um, it turned out to be Lovey Smith's final game as Illinois head coach, mm. uh, which is a shame because I've, I, uh, I've got... Uh, um, a lot of uh, time for Lovey Smith. I think he's a uh, solid head coach, but it's obviously not gone the way Illinois expected to. Um, I think I can see him kind of um, getting work again soon. Um, in terms of uh, the game, they travelled to uh, North Northwestern, um, and they were very kind of kind of Big Ten kind of cold rain <laughs> game, and so running was the order of the day. In fact, I think between the two teams. Um, between the two quarterbacks that Illinois used, um, they only par- completed seven passes out of 22 attempts. Um, Peyton Ramsey only threw 12 times and completed seven times. So that's seven completed passes for each team um, compared to uh, running plays. Illinois had 35 running plays, Northwestern 58 um, for 411 yards. Um, yeah, they just they just ran it down uh, Illinois. Uh, the running backs, uh, Evan Hall had 149 yards and a touchdown. Cam Porter had 142 yards and two touchdowns. And he looks like a good player. Liked uh, watching uh, him run and all kind of uh, young offensive players. Um, defensively, Illinois couldn't keep up. Northwestern, um, it kind of just summed up their season. They just rolled both sides of the ball. Um at the start of the year, I don't think anybody would have given them a chance at the Big Ten title. And, um, uh, yeah, now they're there. And um, good to see Peyton Ramsey, who's a quarterback I quite liked when he was at Indiana. Um, and he's now going to be in the Big Ten Championship with Northwestern. Um, so, yeah, props to him. Yeah, I think you're right. No, wouldn't have given him a chance, to be honest with you. Um who, who just out of interest, who do you drive in your Big Ten um, preview to be the opponent to wish you in the championship game? Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin to win the West. And I think I had Northwestern way down at only like two or three wins, so to go six and one. Hmm. Um, yeah, they fully deserve their place. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned it yourself. Obviously, we lost a few coaches this week. We didn't mention Kevin Sumlin, I think. Um, obviously, lost his job after that shellacking that Arizona State handed out. Lovey Smith obviously gone from Illinois. And the big one, Gus Malzahn obviously going from Auburn. Um, obviously a few places to fill. Obviously there'll be more as well. But Auburn, that Auburn job's going to be a, a pretty enticing one as well. And it'd be interesting to see where Malzahn goes as well. Yeah, I was shocked. I, yeah, I understand uh, uh, some people were saying that it is a good time because of his record. I think that the timing was quite odd. I was a little bit taken aback by the decision I didn't think yeah I was shocked mainly because of the timing I think that there's another kind of uh, season in there um, from Malzahn with Auburn in terms of Bo Nix's development I think it was best for that uh, offence and the younger guys they have on the defence as well to maybe have Malzahn um, given another season at least I think it was the timing that was the most shocking part of it for me Mm. I personally I don't think I don't think it's anything wrong with it. I don't think he's done a great deal there for a long, long time and his recruiting has been you know, and the development of his recruits that he's got has been pretty substandard for a big SEC programme, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, offensively speaking, that's definitely seems the case. And hmm. uh 
Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think I saw. I think his record sixty six thirty three. So that's around a nice round ninety nine games mm. at Auburn, and not not awful. But not um, awful, but not probably what you'd expect either. For what they were asking for him, especially financially speaking, as well, which another thing has come out. Yeah, um, and amongst it all, then you can probably see why. Yeah, pretty eye watering compensation for for him. Now he's been like going, let go. Sorry. Kieran, did you want to come in there and go smiles on before we move on very briefly? Uh, I'm surprised they didn't give him another year, honestly. Because, you know, especially after last year, they beat Alabama and stuff in the Iron Bowl, and that was massive for Auburn. So, yeah, a little bit shocked that um, Bo Pelini still has a job, and a lot of, you know, half decent coaches <laughs> oh don't. God. So, it's a yeah. crusade, man. <laughs> oh, it's only going to get worse, trust me. Probably. Right then, let's let's move on then. Let's move away from our games. Obviously, a really good week. Obviously, one of the final weeks that we've got left of college football. It's kind of come around so quickly, hasn't it? It's kind of flown by um, with all the drama that's been going on. Got a couple of sort of angles to take on this. Um, what I've got on my preparation sheet is Big Ten bullshit. Obviously, we've got OSU kind of and the Big Ten kind of bending the rules. And then we've got Dan Mullen calling about from the SEC as well. Andy, I'll come to you first before we come to Kieran. What, what do you reckon to all this? This is a bit underhand, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon so, but um, I think I might have just play devil's advocate just in case, just to just to like stem the tide of uh, Kieran in a second. But yeah, it feels like it. I mean, it feels obviously it's a, like pretty unfair, and they've obviously if uh, and they've changed the rules to obviously suit one party, and it's like blatantly obvious. But uh, I guess the kind of argument like for doing it is that they they are the only team uh, unbeaten in that in the conference. They've uh, they've already beaten Indiana. Uh, um, earlier in the year, so like it would have been them getting into the to the playoff instead of the, sorry into the uh, conference game instead of Ohio, Ohio State. So that makes like a little bit of sense to me. Obviously, like it just reeks of just financial gain. Uh, we've said it several times throughout the season that that's literally what everything revolves around, and, and it's not even a, up for debate anymore. So that, that just, I mean, makes sense like that. Do you, do you think as well, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, by making the uh, the final four and the playoffs, the, the division gets a bit of a financial boost as well, don't they? Um, so mm-hmm. that's also probably going to uh, be part of it. Ohio State looking like they'll make the, make the top four of the rankings. So, I mean, it's just, it's all there, isn't it? It's all like uh, benefit the, the biggest team, benefit the one that's most likely to go on the playoff run and benefit the one that's uh, got the most financial clout in the in the division so yeah that, that's that's why it makes sense I guess but uh, whether that's fair or not I'm sure Kieran will tell us now <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think it's fair um in any way to be honest with you if, if they set a, if you set a rule up at the end of the, the start of the season sorry don't change it just <laughs> at the last minute as well it's not as though they kind of saw it coming and thought Let's get ahead of the game so it doesn't look like we're just bending the rules for them. Let's, you know, they just kind of blatantly and quite brazenly did it as well. We've also got Dan Mullen as well throwing shade afterwards saying that um, they should have played less games or something like that. I don't have the quote to hand, but um, yeah, obviously not not pleased with it either. Obviously their second loss of the year. Liam, what's your thoughts? We'll bring you in and then we'll have Kieran last to kind of <laughs> end the programme probably forever. <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of feel the same way that uh, that Andy was uh, just uh, saying. That I don't think Ohio State have actually themselves have actually done too much wrong, and I think that they they are the best team in the the Big Ten this season. Um, I think if it, 
I think with uh, a team like Indiana, uh, had, like if they'd have got a different result against Ohio State and been pushing, I think there would be kind of maybe more call to try and help them out. Um, but uh, in terms of the the Big Ten championship, I, I I think even Northwestern themselves have said they'll be happy to play Ohio State. I think there's a feeling within the conference that it's kind of mixed. I think that uh, I think there's more support within the conference. Uh, for Ohio State than there is outside in terms of what some of the things that have been said and like you mentioned Dan Mullen's quote which I thought was interesting um, although he hasn't Florida haven't really taken care of their own business so either no, way he's I not think. in with a shout so um, yeah I think he's yeah maybe we should yeah just not play have played as many games at all <laughs> something along those lines but it's only yeah, it's not too much. He's not too much more than uh, Ohio State. No. Um, right then, come on then. Let's have it. <laughs> I'm going to try not to swear too much. But I think you'll all agree when it just reeks of mockery, right? They've paid someone. They've given the big <laughs> ten some money. <laughs> it's not... This isn't normal. We know... College football isn't exactly known for its or its honesty, or its fair play rules. We know black men exist. We know boosters are a thing. This, but still, this just reeks of... And I know for a fact, somehow, they're going to blackmail somebody or pay somebody in the AP poll and the playoff poll to make sure they're in the top four so they make the playoffs. And I already said, I'm going to go down to Columbus and I'm going to on the middle of that field because I am sick and here's the thing I don't have anything against Ohio State per se but the fans are um, they are the people on planet earth next to Steelers and Eagles fans it is un you know how many times I had to be told oh you won our national championship with our backup quarterback and I'm like well you can get past Clemson with a starter so tell me which one you would have rather had this is the problem. Ohio State are too big for their own good. So now they get let into the Big Ten Championship because they changed the whole rules like a week before the championship game. And they're probably going to make it into the college football playoffs, screwing great teams like Cincinnati and stuff like that out of a playoff place, which is massive for a team like Cincinnati. And, and the fans will screech and scream and scream bloody murder about how they deserved it or this is their destiny or some absolute crap that I'm done hearing for the sixth, seventh year in a row when they cry about, oh, who's Cincinnati beaten? Well, a team that's had an undefeated season more recently than Ohio State, if you want to like get into it, UCF. So, look, it, it, everyone knows this was going to happen. Like, I don't, they could have lost every game this season and probably still made it to the Big Ten Championship game. It's Ohio State. Everyone knows who they are. You know what I mean? Like, a team that's lost to Michigan State more recently than they've lost to Michigan, I may add as well. So if they want to... <laughs> Inadvertent shade at Michigan. <laughs> Michigan suck as well, but it's just annoying that smaller teams like Cincinnati, who've got players who are, you know... Working their asses off every single day in in the classroom and on the field, and now getting screwed out of a playoff place just because Ohio State has more money. 
It's disgusting. And I know they're going to screw him out of a playoff place because it's Ohio State. No one wants to see the same four teams in the playoff every year. You're like, oh, what's the national championship game? Clemson versus Alabama. You see it every year. It's boring. At least say what you want about LSU. We shook things up a bit. So, look, we just, look, I'm angry at Ohio State. I'm always going to be angry at Ohio State. And like I said, it's not the team per se. It's the players. Not the players, sorry, the fans. Because I like some of the players. They're very good players. Chase Young, uh, Justin Fields, all some great players who've come through that program. But the fans are going to be unbearable. So like, I just think it's very, very unfair. Because, you know, that Big Ten made it clear if they don't play all their games, they're not going to go to a championship game. That's something they said. And then... yeah. That they didn't play the amount of required games and you know i'm sure the commissioner of the big Ten's building a new pool right now or something on the back of ohio <laughs> state money so allegedly um yeah I, I just think it's very very unfair that they're changing the rules just because of a bigger team and i understand that they'll earn more money in like the tv uh deals and stuff like that but yeah it's just Look, college football is not a place known for integrity and honesty, but it's still upsetting that smaller teams that have played more games and put more into it are probably, you know, not playing the Big Ten Championship game now and potentially not playing in the college football playoffs, which I think is disgusting. So from now until the day day I die, this is how I feel about Ohio State. If they've got a problem with it, come see me. I don't know how much that'll make it in, to be honest. I don't know. I don't even know if they have a podcast next week after that, if we all that, I'll go out to be honest with you. I guess one thing that I will say is, first and foremost, on two separate subjects, first and foremost, if the commissioner of the Big Ten is building a pool just outside of Chicago, what's he doing? Um, <laughs> second of all, surely the, on a more serious note, surely the, the sort of solution to this is an expanded playoff. We've been talking amongst ourselves about this and you, you know you'll you'll get your bigger you'll get your big teams in there but you'll also see some little guys get in there as well obviously this year we would have seen you know Cincinnati and a few others making it in there maybe even coastal if we're expanding it a little bit more so I think that's the way to go isn't it I think we've been banging the drum for it for long enough and I think there's enough people that will was it who is it you posted in the group about the 16 team playoff because that was that was a great I know it's a, a little bigger than probably be used to and you may have to extend the college football season for a little bit but you know they've run alongside the NFL anyway it's never going to get in the way so I think whoever posted that was a great idea and it, it really opens a lot of teams up instead of you know like a team like Cincinnati to potentially make a playoff run rather than having a, a great like 12-0 and season and playing in the Idaho potato bowl or or some rubbish that no one cares about and that's the thing about football that everyone loves that it is you know I know we play on Saturdays in college but it is any given Sunday and any team can win on any given day so we see upsets all the time and I think it would be fantastic to expand the playoffs because you might get some upsets you might end up with a Coastal Carolina in the Peach Bowl or something or you might end up with a Cincinnati or a smaller team like that making it to a championship game and I think yeah, you're going to have all the uh, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State fans screeching about how, oh, that's not fair if they get beaten or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's good for football that these smaller teams break through and have a shot at it because 
the amount of players who probably don't get looked at because of the school they're at, who could potentially go on to the NFL and be a fantastic talent. This is the platform for them to do it. So I think expanding the playoffs hurts no one and benefits everyone. Yeah, just to uh, extend on what Kieran's just said about smaller teams and uh, being in a playoff, I think talking about the playoff in the context of the OSU thing, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because there's still a really good um, Big Ten championship game to be played in Northwestern. It's going to be Ohio State's toughest game of the season, no doubt. And um, Northwestern are going to see it as an opportunity to get into the playoff. Um, there's a, a lot to play for there and they match up pretty well. Um, it Also, it, um, Cincinnati's playoff hopes have been done by um, cancelling games as well in a similar way to what Ohio State's uh, would have been even without this um, controversy. So in a way they're kind of in the same boat and Cincinnati have not been helped by their conference and uh, Ohio State have. um, But, and uh, the big 10 championship, I'm really looking forward to. I think Northwestern going to be able to give, make a right good uh, game of it. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Because, um, you know, it needs it, doesn't it? It needs kind of validation maybe for Ohio State to get in to, you know, really come up against a tough opponent yeah, I, I think so. And, and it, is, it is the best two teams in the Big Ten. So from that point of view, everything that's happened since the cancellations to help Ohio State get there is is justified. I think if, if Northwestern win that game, then karma exists. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I think we'll we'll kind of finish up there. I mean, I think, like we said, like we've kind of been preaching a little bit uh, amongst us all, really, uh, an extended playoff's the way to go. It's better for football. It's better for finances as well. You know, if you've got more games that you can kind of build, build up as extra playoff games, then it's good for the NCAA as well, because they'll make a few quid off it as well, or dollars, should I say. Um, as, as long as you incorporate um, conference champions into that, that then the, every conference championship means something because again, well, we said it before the last time I said it before the last time we discussed this um, and I brought up the subjects of conference championships is that we're going to get conference championships again that have this kind of the, the wind taken out of them a little bit by the fact mm. that there's no hope of um, a playoff place for the winner. But I think if you kind of incorporate it all, um, I think, that will be the best way to go. Mm. Look, I think we all agreed on it that it'll happen at some point. It's just when. I think more than if at this point. It's too much traffic, too much noise about this to for it not to happen. It makes too much sense as well. But anyway, we'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back tomorrow on our scouting podcast. Tomorrow it's linebackers. So we're going to be yeah, talking about some more interesting players, giving you a player each and some sleepers as well. Um, but let's get out of here. Let's just give out some handles first and then we'll, we'll get on and we'll see you all tomorrow. Andy, why don't you start us off with where we can find you? Yes, mate. Uh, AJ Moore 21 or DolphinUK underscore pod. A uh, lot, lot of positivity game about the Dolphins. Good game against the Chiefs. So, yeah, come check it out. Mm, yeah. And you, Kieran? At DCCYTFootball on Twitter. Come, you know, like my tweet that's just hit 10K. I knew we'd get a knew get a mention of that. <laughs> I'm famous. <laughs> Come on, man. And Liam, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Uh, loads of NFL stuff, loads of college football, everything that I do with full ten yards college football. Um, endless number of scouting and draft topics. 
uh, yeah, see you there. Awesome. And then myself, Lee Wakefield, at Wakefield90. Um, we'll, find, <laughs> we'll, we'll end it there on the pod and we'll see you tomorrow for the scouting pod. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.